Hi there, I'm Catalina Villegas. I'm the host of Rolly's Experts Explain Everything podcast. Rolly is the platform where journalists find experts for their stories. It is created by journalists for journalists. And as a journalist myself, I love to find fascinating people on Rolly, experts with deep knowledge and insight that can answer all of the questions I've ever had about their field. So today we're chatting with Rakesh Kochar, senior researcher at the Pew Research Center and an expert on trends in employment, income, and wealth. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, Carolina. Your report, latest report, is entitled, Which U.S. Workers Are More Exposed to AI on Their Jobs? And I just have to say, this is such an important topic, and I think everyone's thinking and everyone's talking about this right now. Everyone's really concerned about it, too, in a lot of ways. So um, let's start here. Usually technology tends to impact lower wage earners the most, but your report shows that, in fact, AI is kind of different in that way. So who exactly is going to be most impacted or, as you say in your report, most exposed to artificial intelligence? Yes, so in a way, it is implicit in the very definition or the term itself, artificial intelligence. It is a technology that is designed to mimic cognitive skills. So overall, the degree to which a job is exposed to AI depends on which activities are most important in that job. So, for example, jobs in which data processing or information processing or software skills and the like are key activities tend to be more exposed to AI. So examples of such jobs include web developers, tax preparers, or law clerks. On the other hand, jobs calling for more personal interaction or jobs calling for more general physical activities or demanding physical activities these right now are not exposed to AI. They may be in the future at some time with smarter robots equipped with smarter technologies based on AI, but not at the moment. So examples of these jobs are nannies or barbers and firefighters. They are less exposed to AI at the moment. That's so interesting because by having this distinction in jobs, you also see a different impact on men and women, right? Um, the likelihood that their job will be impacted by AI or exposed to AI uh, also depends, right, on your gender, even your ethnicity, right? Some ethnicities are going to be more exposed, as you say, to this new technology. Yes. So because there are differences in the types of jobs, different groups of workers are employed in, especially among men and women, for example, women are much less likely to be employed in construction compared with men, much more likely to be employed in health and education compared with men. So we see women have actually relatively more exposure than men at the moment. And similarly, more educated workers who are engaged in jobs requiring more analytical skills, more cognitive skills, they are more exposed to AI, and these workers include Asian and white workers who are typically more likely to be college educated than uh, Hispanic and black workers. 
And these characteristics of being more educated, uh, more skilled analytically, they translate also to higher wages. So we see at the moment that higher paid workers are generally speaking more exposed to AI than lower wage workers. Yeah, I just found the statistics on these uh, kind of shocking. Well, first of all, 13 million men, 14.6 million women among some of the most exposed, right? So you have millions and millions of workers. And as you said, workers with a bachelor's degree, 27%, uh, more than twice as likely uh, than those with high school diploma to be impacted or exposed to AI. Um, those numbers are definitely could have a big impact right on the economy. Those that's a lot of workers that we're talking about. We're not talking about a small percentage of of the working population. In fact, the implications of AI could be far reaching. Uh, we're in Los Angeles right now. We're recording this at the end of July, and right now there is a writer's strike happening at this very moment. Um, we know that writers and actors, they're also really concerned about artificial intelligence. But I wonder if the, the these other industries that are maybe a little bit smaller, for example, writers, actors, models, did these also make it into uh, your data set? Because I, I noticed that you focus a lot on some of the big industries, right, that are going to be impacted. Do you also see smaller industries that might be wiped out completely? Um, well, Hollywood generally uh, is part of a broader sector we looked at, which is arts, entertainment, and recreation. And this broader sector, well, it includes not just Hollywood, but recreation, parks and recreation, for example, more physically demanding kind of work. So there's a mix of exposure for this general industry. And overall, we find that 17% of workers in this broader sector have high exposure to AI, and 27% have relatively low exposure, which is not too different from workers overall. Now, when it comes to models or actors and photographers or writers, these are occupations in our uh, terminology. These are uh, jobs people do in the industry of arts, entertainment, and recreation. And we find that uh, looking at these occupations, it's a mixed bag of middle to low level of exposure at this time. Now, which doesn't mean the future may not bring something else. Uh, it's partly a matter of also of public acceptance. Uh, is the public you know, willing to see AI-generated uh, movies and so on. So there's a lot to be determined, a lot of unknowns. And um, so we have no def definitive opinion on uh, this issue specifically. Yeah, it's actually fascinating because another issue in the report or another topic that you bring up, which is, I think what everyone is talking about right now is the issue of a job loss. Are there going to be job losses, job cuts in a dramatic way. And while a lot of reports um, have pointed to massive job losses due to artificial intelligence, in fact, your report says that that decision can't yet be determined. Tell me a little bit about your thinking. Um, why do you think that it's too early to assess whether there's going to be massive job cuts? 
Well, it feels a bit early in part because this is such a new technology, right? Uh, we still don't know the extent to which it will be adopted and the manner in which it will be adopted. In the report, I mentioned an example of chatbots, uh, which have been used both to train and improve the productivity of customer service agents, but also to replace some of them. So that tug of war is going to be present in many situations, and we, we just don't have the wherewithal right now to analyze or predict or determine how this tug of war plays out in the future. Uh, and you know, there's also the regulatory framework that is under discussion, but far from being uh, finalized. Uh, that can have an impact on how the technology rolls out and what's the cost of this technology uh, in the future and so on. Uh, and I think we alluded earlier to the matter of public acceptance. Are we ready to take rides in self-driving cars? Um, those sort of issues uh, will play out in an unknown way at the moment. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There are definitely still a whole lot of unknowns and how the technology will develop right in the coming years. I'm sure that's also a big part of it as well. Six in 10 workers are likely to have varying levels of exposure to AI. That's what your report found. Were you shocked by that? But by six in 10, that's a lot of people. Uh, well, in, in a way, this technology is everywhere, right? If I turn on Google right now, I'm in some fashion using AI. Uh, so it is everywhere, uh, whether in small scale or large scale. Uh, but in terms of job losses, what we are looking at, is it used for the production of goods and services? That's where jobs come in, job activities come in, workers come in. So that's the focus of our uh, analysis. And although we don't have a lot of data on this, there is an uh, older census study about five years ago, which looked at uh, the how firms are using these advanced computer technologies. Uh, AI wasn't much in use five years ago, uh, but you can look at robotics, automation, and customized software, and so on. And in almost every industry, the technologies were used both to assist workers or to replace workers to some sort of equal degree. So what it says is, and this is probably true of most technologies in the past, Adaptation is needed. There will be some workers who have to change what they do, but overall, we don't know what job losses will be. And I wonder if this is why in the report, you don't describe AI as a threat. In fact, the word threat isn't mentioned in your report, but yet that's how a lot of people are framing it right now, the, the threat of AI. Um, in fact, you only say exposure, the exposure of AI. Was that a conscious decision on your part to kind of reframe or be very careful about the words that you use uh, when it comes to AI? So our focus was on job activities and whether AI could help with those activities or substitute for them. Our focus was very much on exposure, uh, not on whether AI will necessarily replace or uh, um, lead to a future where we may do without workers. Uh, but if we, we do have some public opinion on this, uh, how does the public view artificial intelligence? 
And one of the more interesting findings I feel in our study is from our survey that workers in industries that are more exposed to AI are more likely to say that AI will help more than hurt them personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I found that interesting too. (laughs) I found that interesting too. (laughs) I was like, I don't know if we're being naive, but maybe maybe it will help. (laughs) Well, we don't know exactly what is behind this. We do see a lot of uncertainty um, in industries like hospitality, uh, where uh, there's not much exposure to AI at the moment. About almost 40% of workers are just uncertain. They don't know what to say. Uh, but in worker, uh, in the industries like information and technology, where people are more computer savvy, uh, they are dealing with these technologies almost on a daily basis, um, they are almost three times more likely to say it will help more than hurt them personally as the share who say it will hurt them. So um, there is some degree of optimism among workers who are more familiar with the technology, whether it, how it plays out elsewhere, you know, we, we don't know. Um, and overall, if you look at all workers combined, they're equally likely to say it will help help them or hurt them. But many are just not sure. And when you look at the data, I mean, this report is so fascinating. And I encourage everyone who's interested in AI technology or generally having a job in the future to go read it. Um, Lawyers, sales representatives, computer occupations, secretaries, administrative assistants, all have a high degree of exposure, uh, still kind of, like you said, a lot of unknowns about what that's going to look like in the future. Um, But you've been studying labor trends for so many years, and I wonder if you think that AI, artificial intelligence, could pose a similar change to the economy and to labor that the internet did? Or are we looking at something more dramatic in terms of the impact that it's going to have on jobs and workers? I really wish I had an answer for you on that one because I didn't study the internet (laughs) to this level of detail. Uh, We lived through the internet. I remember a time when I didn't even have an email or uh, before uh, a web browser came to be. Um, And in many ways, it proved to be useful for us. Um, We can do so much more and uh, in many different ways than we could. So this is, I'm speaking just at a personal level. But overall, there is actually, if you look at academic studies, a puzzle in the, in the, in the business about what exactly it does the internet do? What has it done to change productivity? What has it done to improve economic output and so on? There is a bit of a puzzle. Uh, there are still unknowns about the outcomes, exact value, uh, contributions of these technologies. Are they just leading to more smarter, you know, smarter smartphones, uh, which consumer value is there, but what's it doing to economic value? Now, a lot of unknowns still about that. And I think for AI also a lot of unknowns. Yeah, absolutely. A whole lot of unknowns. Were there any surprises as you were going through the collection of this data Um, As you were putting this report together, something that you were like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Or 
here's like a canary in the coal mine situation. I'm seeing something here that is jumping out at me um, for all of us that obviously we're not as deep in the numbers and in the data as you are. Well, I think it was certainly interesting to see that the level of, if you will, optimism among uh, workers who are more exposed to AI. And it wasn't just workers in the IT sector. If we cut this data by demographics, Asian workers or more educated workers or higher income workers who are more exposed to AI, they were also more likely to say it's, it'll help more than hurt them. So that that was interesting to know it in a way, you know, to put it in a flip kind of fashion. It's like familiarity breeds familiarity. Right? There's uncertainties reduced. There's more comfort level among some people. Totally. And have you been um, testing out, playing around with chat GPT or some of these AI writing models or, or some of the, including some of the art models. I mean, they're, they're pretty incredible. They do some really cool things. Have, have you tested them out yourself? In a very mild sort of way, I had, uh, I asked chat GPT to help plan a vacation, uh, those sort of things. Uh, but not professionally, we are not yet using chat GPT or other tools. Yeah, no, that's for the, I hear that for the vacations, they're pretty good. I'm going to have to try to test that out. The other day, my husband wrote me a, a love letter about going to sleep early <laughs> on chat GPT because I have, I'm a night owl, so I have this tendency of going to sleep late. But I mean, it's, it is pretty incredible the way this technology just mimics um, a lot of the really cool things that we can do um, with our own brains. Mm -hmm. I wonder to close it out, if you have any final parting thoughts or messages that you want folks to take away from your report. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that are scared out there. Lots of, lots of professionals that are kind of concerned about this, but if you have any kind of parting words for us. Well, you know, I think the, it is probably as we did, um, probably best to focus on the exposure to AI, uh, that there are different ways it can be helpful. There are some ways, yes, it may replace some skills. But overall, our report, by the way, is not alone in saying that um, it works both ways and that there is a lot yet to be known about what happens to job losses. So this is a story that's going to keep on playing. Um, what Perhaps the greatest uncertainty is uh, the pace at which it happens, uh, which uh, none of us know. Yeah, I feel like just a few years ago, we were saying, what is artificial intelligence? And now it's kind of everywhere and um, gone mainstream in a really interesting way. So. Mm -hmm. Rakesh, thank you so much for your time. We're looking forward to our next conversation, your next report, um, so we can discuss it all at length. Thank you so much for, for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. You can learn a lot more about Rakesh Kochar, senior researcher at Pew Research Center, and hundreds of other exceptional experts by visiting rollyapp.com. I'm Catalina Villegas, and you can always connect with me on social media at Catalina Official. That's Catalina O-F-F-C-L on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Until next time.